Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's March 25th, 2022, and that means there's nine months left until Christmas. Today on the show, it's a Christmas crossover event with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we review the Disney Plus series, Hawkeye. We'll also count down the top five Star Trek Christmas songs, get some advice for keeping Christmas in our hearts all year from a little kid, and we'll officially kick off our new feature, Recastmas. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, Yule Believers! Happy Quarter Christmas! Quarter Christmas? What's that? Well, imaginary listeners, sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. If June 25th is half Christmas, then today, March 25th, should be called Quarter Christmas. Because we're a quarter of the way to Christmas. Mm, people are going to start calling you a quarter crazy. Wouldn't be the first time, Frog Voice, because no matter if it's Quarter Christmas, Half Christmas, or 2875th Christmas, I need a little Christmas. Now! We need a This Christmas Now tip comes from a random kid at my son's school. I should preface this by saying I don't know this kid. My sons don't know this kid, but I see him every time I pick the boys up from school and he's always wearing a Santa hat. When I first noticed him after winter break, I thought he was just hanging on for a few days longer after the holidays. But now we're deep into March and my man is still rocking a Santa hat every day. Yeah, you told me I couldn't wear my Frozen shirt anymore. It's three sizes too small, and it has a huge hole in the armpit. I bet if it was a Christmas shirt, you'd let me wear it. We're not having this discussion again. Okay, anyway, back to the kid in the Santa hat. That's a fun way to incorporate some Christmas into your personal style. And it's kind of practical, if you think about it. Santa hats are super warm. Why should we limit those head-warming abilities to the lead-up to Christmas? It's still cold in January, February, and often March and even April. Sometimes children have the best ideas. See, kids don't know how the world is supposed to work yet. Societal norms and rules haven't been forced into their little brains yet. Despite their parents trying to do that every day. I thought you were supposed to be putting the laundry in the dryer. I was, but I decided not to follow societal norms. Well, maybe this house should stop following the societal norms about dessert. Better do what he says. You know what happened to my present shirt. Who has two thumbs and is headed to the laundry room. This guy. So anyway, that's my tip. Is your head feeling cold? Rock a Santa hat. No one can stop you. And now, let's move on to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. Five Golden Things. A few weeks ago marked the premiere of Season 2 of Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. Now, I haven't watched a single episode of it because I refuse to plunk down the cash for Paramount+. Plus. I don't really have a good reason why. I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, and of course Disney+, Plus. but for some reason, I draw a line at Paramount+, Plus and HBO Max. There's just too many streaming services. 
But I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I would go so far as to call myself a Trekkie. So I thought I should at least celebrate the premiere of season two of Picard by talking some Star Trek. And I was really excited last year when I discovered a YouTuber named John C. Worsley. He spliced up episodes of Star Trek and set them to music to create Star Trek Christmas carols. He did one for every series of Star Trek, except the ones on Paramount+. Plus. And as I was watching them, I also found out he wasn't the only one to do this. There are Star Trek carols abound on the YouTubes. So today, I would like to present my top five. Five Star Trek Christmas carols. Starting with Number Five, Starfleet gave to me on the fourth day of Christmas. Starfleet gave to me four warp cells, three Cardassians, two engineers. NGT one seven zero one D. So even though I was just talking about John C. Worsley's videos at the start of this, the first entry on this list is from a whole different YouTuber, Ryan's Edits. While John C. Worsley's songs each pick one specific show in the Star Trek franchise, Ryan's Edits made this song to the tune of 12 Days of Christmas using every live-action series of Star Trek, from the original series and Next Gen to Discovery and Picard and everything in between. My personal favorite bit from this is instead of five golden rings, they're using a reference to a very famous episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Seven synthetic beings. Number four. A wonderful Deep Space Nine. The mood is right. The spirit is up. We're here tonight. I, I, that's, that's enough. Simply commanding. Wonderful. Deep Space Nine. Now we're back to John C. Worsley. This one takes the 1980 Paul McCartney and Wings song Wonderful Christmas Time and turns it into a carol about Deep Space Nine. Despite DS9 being one of my favorite Trek series, I stuck this one way back at number four because, if I'm honest, Wonderful Christmas Time is not one of my favorite Christmas songs. And it also loses points for putting that goofy Alamoraine hopscotch thing in there. For as much as I love Star Trek, it was really goofy sometimes. But my favorite verse of this song is when they let Worf sing because, of course, instead of wonderful, he comes up with a different adjective for Deep Space Nine. Simply defending honor Deep Space Nine. Number three. Tuvok, the station's Vulcan. You know Seven and Neelix, Alana and Janeway, Harriet and Paris, the Doctor, Chakotay. Do you recall the most logical crewman of all? The vessel's Vulcan. Had a Vulcan game. Kalto. And if you ever saw it, you would even see it glow. From one of my favorite Star Trek series to one of my least favorite. This parody of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uses the cast of Star Trek Voyager. Okay, I was not a fan of Voyager. Maybe it was the premise. The fact that they were stranded far from home, and every few episodes they thought they'd figured out a way to get back home, and I was always like, no you didn't, otherwise the series would be over. But the two characters I did like on that show were Tuvok and the Doctor, and they both feature prominently in this parody. But I think my favorite bit in this song goes to Captain Janeway. And one coffee substitute led Janeway to say... Tuvok, charge your weapons up. There's coffee in that nebula. Number two... Happy Trekmas. A very, very Christmas. And a happy new year. Let's hope it's a good one. The final frontier. Similarly to how I'm not a huge fan of Wonderful Christmas Time, I will often hit the skip button when the 1971 John Lennon-Yoko Ono song Happy Christmas, War is Over comes on. Yet somehow, when you combine that song with the cast of Star Trek, the original series, I love it! 
I think a big part of it is how much of the song features Shatner. And the trick to these songs is you're only stealing spoken words, not actual singing. And as such, there are big gaps and pauses where a singer would normally hold the note out. But William Shatner released several albums where he would speak, sing songs in that exact style. So it really fits. But my favorite line from this is a great use of the episode where there was these species of aliens who were black on one side and white on the other side, and they were fighting with another species that was white on one side and black on the other side. It was a way to talk about racism through science fiction. So they used Frank Gorshin, who was one of the aliens in that episode, to deliver this line from this song. I'm so happy, Christmas. For black and for white. Brilliant. Honorable mentions. You're a mean one, Mr. Spock. You're a mean one, Mr. Spock. You really are the heel. Digging deep for this entry, John uses the Star Trek animated series for this one. And it's fitting since the song he's sending up. And it's fitting since the song he's sending up, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, is from the 1966 animated TV special, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not only does this fit really well over the original song, it's a fun expression of the famously contentious relationship between Mr. Spock and Dr. McCoy. Though, you're as cuddly as a Klingon has to be my favorite line. You're as cuddly as a Klingon. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Spock. Honorable mentions! Make it so. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, make it so, make it so, make it so. Another non-John C. Worsley song here. This one is by James Covenant, and it uses the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation to sing Make It So to the tune of Let It Snow. If this sounds familiar to you, thank you for being the longest of longtime listeners. I actually included this song in my very first Five Golden Things back in episode one. It was on a list of funny Christmas songs, and I do find this funny, especially the part where they work in what I imagine is Will Wheaton's least favorite line in the entire series. How I hate going out in the storm. But if you... Really? Shut up, Wesley. Number one. All I want for Christmas is Q. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing that I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want to boldly go more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is Back to Worsley Town again for number one. This had to be at the top. It's my favorite Star Trek series, Star Trek The Next Generation, combined with my favorite Christmas song of the six on this list, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. This is great because, like the Spock-McCoy thing from earlier, this highlights the relationship between Captain Picard and frequent omnipotent pain in his neck, Q. My favorite line from this one is really just one word. Like I said earlier, they are piecing these songs together totally from spoken dialogue in the shows. So the best part is when all the Shakespearean trained gravitas of Sir Patrick Stewart says baby just after the chorus. All I want for Christmas is cute baby. Well, that does it for my little trek into the festive frontier. Normally, I'd ask if there were any I missed, but I'm pretty sure the only one I skipped was a parody of Jingle Bell Rock by the cast of Star Trek Enterprise, and trust me, we didn't miss that at all. 
But I'm sure people have done these kinds of mashups with other things. Like, I know the guy who did Make It So also did one with the Avengers, which was great. But do you have any favorites? Send them to me. I love to explore them. Send them in at Christmas at TanCast.com. Send in as many as you like, because I'd love to find more stuff like this and maybe even do another list of these. And now it's time for a word from one of the other podcasts on the Christmas Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm a podcaster, a lifelong Christmas nerd, and a professional Santa. And I have a Christmas podcast called North Pole Radio. Each week I sit down with a fellow Christmas performer, a fellow Christmas podcaster, or just a fellow Christmas nerd, and talk about all things Christmas. There's a heavy focus on the art of portraying Santa, but we also cover Christmas movies, Christmas songs, Christmas food, and, well, basically anything Christmas. So check out North Pole Radio wherever you download podcasts. Welcome back. So, back in 2017, we settled the debate about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Spoiler alert, it is. So, since then, the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast has been the world's definitive source for what is and isn't a Christmas movie. That's not even remotely true. Some of your listeners don't even agree about the Die Hard thing. Agree to disagree. So, today we'll be using our awesome authority to analyze the Disney Plus series Hawkeye as we play the game that is sweeping the nation, nay, the planet, is it! Ah! Uh, Christmas movie! No. What? No, it's not a Christmas movie. You can't just make a ruling with no evidence. We're like less than a minute into this segment. Here's my evidence. It's not a movie. It's a six-episode miniseries. Okay, so technically it's not a movie, but is that a Christmas series doesn't have the same ring to it. Besides, it was originally going to be a movie until they realized they wanted to go deeper into the characters, so they made it into a series. So the question isn't whether or not this is a movie, but whether or not it's Christmas. But to answer that question, we first have to know what the series is about. You don't have time to summarize six whole episodes. Sure we do. I'll just take a cue from another MCU character, Louise from the Ant-Man movies. He knows how to tell a story. But warning, there will absolutely absolutely be spoilers ahead so if you haven't seen the show and you don't want it ruined for you siri will tell you when to skip to siri 16 minutes and 35 seconds okay last warning my quiver is loaded up with spoilers and i'm about to tell the story of hawkeye louise style so, like, Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, is with his kids in New York on Christmas, right? See, they made a play about the Avengers on Broadway, and they invited all the Avengers to come see it, but only Hawkeye showed up. But then he sees on the news that someone is using his old Ronin suit. So he goes to take them down, but it turns out it's Kate Bishop, and she's all like, Oh, no way! You're Hawkeye! See, when Kate Bishop was a kid, she was there for the Battle of New York, and she saw Hawkeye and the Avengers save New York from aliens, so she grew up to be an amazing archer inspired by him. But one night, she learns her mom is getting married to this super sketchy guy, so she follows him to a black market auction. But then, kablow! There's an explosion all these dudes attack so kate grabs this ninja suit that's up for auction to hide her identity while she fights off these dudes turns out that suit was clint's old ronin suit and the dudes attacking are the tracksuit mafia because they wear tracksuits and they're in a mafia also it turns out they really hate ronin because the leader of the tracksuit mafia is this chick they call echo even though she doesn't wear a tracksuit but she gets to be their leader i guess when you're the boss you don't have to wear the uniform whatever they don't go into that part but anyway back when clint lost his mind after the thanos snap was running around on his ronin killing bad guys he killed echo's dad because back then he was the leader of the tracksuit mafia so now they think kate bishop is ronin so hawkeye is trying to clear her name but to do that he needs to get the suit back but somehow some larpers got it larpers are like live action role players they dress up and pretend fight kind of like that medieval times thing but instead of just watching it you get to do it and you don't have to eat your food with your hands like i don't know why they will at least give us a knife they had hey hey 
Focus. Right, sorry. So, Clint is trying to get the Ronin suit back and get back to his family in time for Christmas. They think Kate's mom's fiance might be shady and have something to do with it. But then they are fighting Echo when all of a sudden someone else shows up. It's Natasha Romanoff's sister, Yelena, and she's trying to kill Clint. Oh no! And Kate's like, what? And Yelena's like, da. So it's like crazy fight time on the roof with kicks and punches and arrows and Clint's like, Kate, you gotta stay away from me forever. And she's like, nah, dog, we're partners. And he's like, nah, man, the heat's too hot. I already lost Natasha on Vormir. I ain't losing you too. But then it turns out Kate's mom was actually the bad guy and she framed her fiance and all this time she was working for the same crime boss that echo and the tracksuit mafia were working for and that's the kingpin the guy from the daredevil show that until very recently was only on netflix the very same fool so now it's like this party on christmas eve right by the big christmas tree in rockefeller center and the tracksuit dudes are there to kill katie's mom elena is there to kill clint and the larpers are there too for some reason and now kate is fighting the kingpin and it's a madhouse by the end of it clint has convinced both echo and elena to stop trying to kill him and kate gets her mom arrested for killing that guy wait kate's mom killed the guy? Oh, yeah, it was like towards the beginning. You gotta leave some details out if you want to summarize six episodes of Sweet Marvel Goodness in a few minutes. Anyway, the tracksuit dudes are defeated, and they don't have to worry about their own thing no more, so Kate goes home with Clint to spend Christmas with his family. Merry Clintsmas! It's the most wonderful time. We're out of regular arrows. Oh my god, trick arrows? Your arrows more dangerous than that one? Marvel's Hawkeye. <sighs> Just some Christmas. So normally when I talk about a movie or a series on this show, it's been out for like 10, 20, 30 years or more, and I'm able to do some deep background behind the scenes stuff about it. Unfortunately, this was only a few months ago, and it's a Marvel project. And as you may know, Marvel is known for keeping a tight lid on secrets. So when the cast goes out to give interviews to promote their Marvel stuff, they can't really even talk about it. Like this interview, where Jeremy Renner and Kate Steinfeld, who play Clint Barton and Kate Bishop respectively, try to answer a basic question about fighting styles. I mean, well, Maybe okay, what? The one that's referenced in the show. Yeah, but do they that? I don't know, maybe not. Don't do it. I don't know. There's a thing. So while this won't be my typical deep dive, I did want to share some of the highlights of this series for me, because even though Hawkeye is far from my favorite Avenger, I had a blast watching the show, especially because they set it at Christmas. Look, it's six days into Christmas, okay? And we're going to fill it with a lot of Christmas activities. What's your favorite one? Um, Gingerbread House. We're doing that. What do you got? Uh, Christmas movie marathon. Movie marathon. Awesome. Ugly sweaters. Ugly Christmas sweaters. And we have to decorate the tree. We have, there's a thousand things to do. It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. A huge part of my enjoyment of the show was the idea to introduce Kate Bishop and turn it into a buddy cop movie. Kind of like Lethal Weapon. One just wants to retire and the other is young and crazy and they have to spend Christmas working together. Also, I like how they tied her origin story to the first Avengers movie and the Battle of New York. That would be a huge event in the Marvel world, so it makes sense that a lot of origin stories would stem from there. Kate sees Hawkeye jump off a skyscraper's roof and fight aliens with no superpowers, and it inspires her to become the hero we eventually see in this series. But in addition, the show also deals with what must have been an even bigger event in the Marvel Universe, the aftermath of the blip in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Because a lot of things happened in those movies, people tend to forget that Hawkeye went nuts when Thanos snapped his family away. He did a lot of dark stuff during those five years, and this show addresses it. Also, Tony Stark got a lot of fanfare when he died at the end of Endgame. Wait, how many things are you going to spoil in this show? It's like the second biggest movie of all time. People have seen it. Uh, whatever, spoiler McGee. Anyway, Tony got a lot of fanfare when he died, but Natasha Romanoff didn't get nearly enough. This show explores the hole she left behind as well, by not only seeing how it affects Clint, but they bring in Yelena, who we just met in the Black Widow movie a few months before Hawkeye came out. We get to see Natasha's sister and best friend try to come to terms with her death, and in doing so, we get some long, overdue expression of grief for the original Black Widow. Natasha 
I really need to talk to you right now. You were the bravest of us all, weren't you? Loyal, stubborn. You always had to win, didn't you? And for a stupid orange rock. I've replayed that a million times in my head, hoping for a different outcome. But I do my best every day to earn what you gave me. Just want to say, just want to say, I miss you. But we also get to see Kate and Elena banter, which, based on how awesome it is, I assume we'll see a lot more of it in the future. Apparently, the scene where Elena breaks into Kate's apartment to try and find Clint and the two have a long chat over macaroni was almost all improv. There are rumors of an upcoming Young Avengers movie, and I really hope these two will be in it because they put the dynamic in dynamic duo. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you've got to see the tree. Mm, exactly. See? I love American Christmases. The tree, the presents... The super-powered reindeer, Rudolph, <laughs> they, he's so weird. <laughs> Have you ever eaten reindeer? I cannot say I've had the pleasure. No, <laughs> no it is not a pleasure. Another thing I liked was the character of Echo. I'm not familiar with this character from the comics, but she's both Native American and deaf in the comics, and the producers were adamant that those aspects were depicted on screen. Fortunately, they found Aleko Cox to play the role. Interestingly, she is actually deaf in real life, so instead of hiring a hearing actress who would have to learn to express themselves through sign language, they were fortunate to find Cox, who used sign language to express herself regularly, and thus it came through in her performance, and it was much more genuine. But probably the biggest surprise of the series, and this is another spoiler, so if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to mash that 30-second skip button a couple times. But in fairness, I've seen this all over the internet the past few months. It was the return of Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. That was pretty major. This was the first time anyone from the Defender shows made their way to the MCU. Apparently, Marvel mega producer Kevin Feige just thought it'd be the best idea, and they reached out to D'Onofrio, and he was totally on board. Now, we don't know for sure if this is the same character from the Daredevil series, or if this is a variant that just happens to be played by the same actor, like J.K. Simmons' return as J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies. But with the Defender shows all recently moving to Disney Plus from Netflix, who knows what the future holds? Lastly, I want to talk about something that both begins and ends the series, the song Save the City from the in-universe Broadway musical Rogers. It came about because the creative team was trying to come up with what would annoy Hawkeye the most, and a musical based on Steve Rogers and the Avengers that gets the details wrong turned out to be exactly the ticket. I've got to get the Tesseract. The battle's just begun. We'll conquer the Chitauri. Then get shawarma when we're done. Just how are we to fight them? We'll do it as a team. First Thor, unleash your lightning. Then Natasha, that your cue. Yes! Then Hawkeye hit the bullseye. There's no better shot than you. Right! Tony, you got nukes to catch. Be careful not to crash. Yep. And Hawk, you know the magic word is. Hawk, you know the magic word is. Hawk, you know the magic word is. Smash! Smash! And this was no slap-together SNL parody. They got Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, perhaps most famous for Hairspray the Musical, to write the song, and even got big hitters from Broadway to perform it, like Adam Pascal, best known for his role in Rent, and Ty Taylor, Broadway star and lead singer of Vintage Trouble. Even though the song only appears for a little bit in the first episode, they composed, choreographed, and performed the entire thing and put it as the end credit scene for the final episode. And while I love it, and make no mistake, I do love it. I couldn't help but notice... The posters for Rogers the Musical look an awful lot like the posters for Hamilton the Musical. And 
No disrespect to Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, but how awesome would it have been to have Lin-Manuel Miranda write a song about the Battle of New York? Come on, Marvel, you're owned by Disney. They definitely have his number. I know he was busy working on Encanto, but I bet he could have made the time. We don't talk about Loki, no, no, no. We don't talk about Loki. But it was Invasion Day. Invasion Day. They opened up a portal and some aliens came from the sky. We put that hole in the sky. No, no, no. We are not doing a We Don't Talk About Bruno parody. Aw. I thought the whole point of this was to find out if Hawkeye was a Christmas show. Quite right. So let's take a look at the evidence. The plot hinges on Clint trying to get home to his family for Christmas. That is a very Christmas movie trope. There's tons of Christmas throughout the show, including an awesome car chase set to the music of the Nutcracker. Kate and Clint watch a montage of Christmas movies, and the final battle takes place in New York's Rockefeller Center in front of that famous Christmas tree and ice rink. And some of that was actually shot on location, while the rest of it was done on a replicated set in Atlanta. They even make the tracksuit mafia hideout inside an abandoned KB toy store for a little more Christmas vibes. This show is dripping with Christmas in every episode, but I'd say the most direct evidence that this is a Christmas show is that Kevin Feige straight up said it on the red carpet premiere. We've always wanted to do a story. We had a little bit in Iron Man 3 that was uh, yeah. that was a, our Christmas story. Nobody really looks at it. We sort of consider that a Christmas movie, but this unabashedly is a holiday story. And uh, and I love the idea of it being a perennial that people can check out uh, uh, every holiday season. You know, we'd never done it before. Uh, going back to Age of Ultron, we saw that Hawkeye had this family. He's the only Avengers with a family. And that felt, we felt like it gave us the opportunity to do a story during the holidays, focus on family. It's not necessarily about the end of the world. It's not necessarily about uh, somebody coming and blowing up the earth. It's about will Hawkeye make it home for Christmas. Wait, you had that interview clip this entire time? You really could have answered this question in the first minute of this segment. Yes, but I am MCU deprived. Doctor Strange 2 was originally supposed to come out today, but it's been pushed back to May. So I wanted to take a swim in the deep end of the MCU until my fingers got pruny. And Hawkeye was my perfect chance to do it. It has everything. Action, comedy, and tons of Christmas merriment. So I guess that puts a bow on our discussion of Hawkeye. (laughs) Get it? Hawkeye? Bow? We all got it. Yeah, I better force myself to stop now, because otherwise, I could do this all day. I could do this all day! Before we go today, it's time to turn things over to you in our newest feature, Recastmas. We're simply having a wacky Recastmas time. All this year, I'm asking you to recast Christmas movies and TV shows. What if some of your favorite modern Christmas movies were made in the distant past? Or what if those Christmas classics from yesteryear were cast today? That's the kind of thing we're going to look at. Last time, I asked you to send in movies or specials that we could recast. And thank you for all your emails. Like this one from Paul, who says, Lucy, who's 11, would like to have you recast Home Alone, A Christmas Story, and Scrooged. Thank you, Paul and Lucy. We're actually going to use your first suggestion, Home Alone. Now, this is a tricky one, because now you need a child actor who can carry the whole movie on their shoulders, like Macaulay Culkin did. One of the first ones that came to mind for me was Ron Howard, who is more famous now for being a big-time director of things like Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Solo. But back in the day, he was on The Andy Griffith Show, and he was a cute little kid who did a really good job. So once you have little Ronnie Howard, who do you get for the Wet Bandits? 
Well, it's about 1960. And remember, in this scenario of Recastmas, you can convince anyone to be in your movie. They're not going to say no. There's not going to be a question of too much money. They're not going to haggle about who they work with. So we could reunite the comedy duo of Martin and Lewis like five years after they broke up. We get Dean Martin to be Harry and Jerry Lewis to be Marv. For the mom, why not cast Elizabeth Taylor? That's a totally different take on the character, I'll bet. The dad could be Fred McMurray. But that's enough of me. What are your recasting ideas? You don't have to keep them time period specific if you don't want to, but I personally think it's more fun that way. But email me with your new cast for Home Alone. You don't have to do every character, but at least do Kevin and the Wet Bandits. Send them in to Christmas at tancast.com before April 23rd, and you could hear your recasting in the next episode where we'll simply be having a wacky recastmas time. We're simply having a wacky recastmas time. And that's our show. I hope you and yours are having a happy quarter Christmas, which is totally a thing now. I know I am, because as you listen to this, I'm in Walt Disney's original Magic Kingdom of Disneyland. I'm going to check out the new Avengers Campus for the first time and see the new additions to Star Wars Land since I was last there. If you follow us on TikTok, you'll probably see me go live from the park a few times over the weekend. Maybe Facebook and Instagram, too. Also, if you didn't know, I usually do a live stream of the recording of this show on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. So follow us there if you want to see how the Christmas sausage is made. And don't forget to email us your recasting for Home Alone before April 23rd. Remember, our email address is christmas at tancast.com. Okay, I gotta finish editing this episode so I can catch my flight to Disneyland, but until next time, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2022. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, Can't Wait for Christmas pod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Is this working? Yes, it is working. Oh, so what do I have to say? Okay. <laughs> oh, it's one at a time. Oh. It's one at a time. Oh, okay. Okay, so, James, your first line is... Uh, what? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now switch with Michael. Okay, here we go. Hello. Who has two thumbs and is headed to the laundry room? This guy. Who has two thumbs and is heading to...
Hmm. More, more, a little more cheesy. Like, who has two thumbs and is headed to the laundry room? This who, guy. Who has two thumbs and is headed to the laundry room? This guy. Nice. James. What the heck are we doing? Hey, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> all right, all right. This is what you say. Better do what he says. You remember what he did with my Frozen shirt. Better do what he says. You know what happened to my present shirt. What happened with the present shirt? No, we just stopped. We stopped letting him wear it because it was three sizes too small and had a hole in the armpit. Oh, candy, candy, candy. And as such, there are big gaps and pauses where singing would normally hold. No. And as such, there are big gaps and pauses where a singer would normally hold down. Sure we do. I'll just take a cue from another MCU character, Luis from the Ant. Sure we do. I'll just take a cue from the. <laughs> if I can't get through this sentence, it does not bode well for the next couple minutes. Strap in your seatbelts, everybody. So I'm going to do a series synopsis of the show Hawkeye. Uh, and the way I'm going to do that is in the style of the Luis character from the Ant-Man movies. Uh, however, I'm going to try my best not to slip into his accent because I, and this is true, do not want to be racist. See, when Kate Bishop was a kid, she was there for the Battle of New York. And she's... See, when Kate Bishop was a kid, she was there for the Battle of New York. Oh, that's going to be so many outtakes. Hey! And all this time, she was working for the same crime boss that Echo and the Strack... <laughs> What's harder than saying a lot of words fast? A lot of words fast and a just a beast of a run-on sentence. The aftermath of the blip in Avengers Affinity War and Endgame. Not Affinity War. It's not like we have an affinity for war. I mean, it seems like the characters do because they're fighting all the time. But the actual uh, title of the movie is Infinity War. You knew that. I knew that. Unfortunately, my mouth didn't know that. Let's take it again. Like J.K. Simmons' return as J. Joma That's a lot of J's. Lastly, I want to talk about something that both begins and ends the theory. The theories. Suffer and thunker death and ends the theories. Lastly, I want to talk about something that both be- both come on. Lips, tongue, get it together. We're perfect. We've, we're like 90-something episodes in. Can we learn how to talk, please? <laughs>